3: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Smashbox TV Podcast 473. Regular show. Regulator. Mound up. Yes. Surprisingly, I kept the Warren G references to, ex- I think, exactly one on the weekend,
0: even Which though is we a, played the regular. I think it's about one too few. Yeah. It, it was a four-day event. You had to at least get one in on opening day and maybe one in on final day. That's yeah. my, my personal I, opinion. I I concur. Uh, at one point, I was double checking a few lyrics.
3: I thought I was going to be able to get them in there. Uh, I think I could have snuck them in pretty. You, oh,
0: you definitely sh- should have. I just,
3: you know, I didn't. And so I'm a little, I'll admit, I'm a little disappointed in myself. But uh, nonetheless, uh, we were, of course covering uswdgc which takes a little bit getting used to after you know 25 years now of the usdgc taking place and it holding the prestige that it has the uswdgc has really ramped up in the last couple of years but getting that extra w in there is difficult for some but not kristen that's our, that's for sure hey oh uh so yes we're going to talk about what went down at the USWDGC, the record-breaking, record-setting event. Of course, the FPO side had originally 90 FPO competitors signed up that uh, I think one or two ended up withdrawing, but we had 90 women signed up for it. And then when it was all said and done, it was about 340, I think 337 maybe is what the PDGA number last showed for overall participation. But just this incredible experience it sounds as if because you have the three courses you have all of the different age groups you have pros and ams i as much as i loved being in the booth it sounds like i missed out on a damn good time
0: on site every year this is a damn good time i mean it's certainly it's always the best gathering of women disc golfers period uh, top to bottom, that's just the way this event is. And I know there's been talks about, you know, maybe making throw pink a major instead of this one, or maybe for some reason the women having five majors and uh, whatever. I can't imagine taking the major status away from this. I think it would, um, it would deter a lot of our players from going and kind of I don't say ruin, but it would really change the atmosphere of this event. And I think that having this as the women's major is still the best move to help promote the women's game overall
3: yeah the the reunion that it is and the fact that we have all of these different divisions represented one of the biggest challenges just like our pro or am or junior worlds the biggest challenge is always are there enough courses that appropriately challenge all of the right divisions i think that's always at the end of the day the biggest challenge. And when you have three courses that were in one park, and as far as I understood, I don't believe there was any play outside of Cedar Rock Park. If you have three different courses that are inside one park, hopefully you're able to do all of that. And we might have a chance to catch up with one Lance Brown, uh, who I was informed was one of the primary course designers and uh architects of sorts out there for this final course, this FBO course. And so Maybe later on in the show. Yeah, I know he's currently traveling. I think he's doing some other things right now. If it works out, there's a good chance that we might be able to get him on actually and have a little bit of insight from him. So I just wanted to throw that out there. He is no Kristen. Um, <laughs> we love them both. Uh, I did have conversation with Kristen yesterday. Uh, she even mentioned this during her kind of her post run interviews that she was looking forward to taking a little bit of time off. One thing that I know she was out doing today, her and the family were going to go do some hiking and trails and other things, maybe even a mountain or hillside or something of that nature, some hiking today. And then with, of course, it being on the East Coast, uh, she was definitely concerned about the timing of how everything would go down. So she is not going to be joining us tonight, unfortunately. I think for Kristen,
0: maybe we look at getting her postseason. When things slow down, let's let her maybe rack up another win or two. I don't know. I'm not judging. I'm not, I'm not predicting yet. Um, but if I were an odds maker, I would say two big events left. Um, let's at least get Kristen one of them. Yeah. And then we can maybe have a good summary of the season with her, because as we know, not only, like you said, being on the East coast, but she's not much of a, a promoter of herself on podcasts and such. You really have to catch her at the right time in the right situation to, in order to get that. So, yeah.
3: So uh, first and foremost, congratulations to her. And and I, more than anything, do hope that she's able to actually do some relaxing. She speaks often about. Being it's like her to, and Silver's anniversary. Uh, yeah. Yesterday it was their seven year anniversary. So that certainly gets factored in. And then the fact that her daughter is there as well. And uh, she wants to be able to, decompress and have some of these times to herself and herself or them uh, to be able to share. And, and she's been pretty blunt in some of her interviews talking about how like there's a lot of things to do in the U S and it's, it's great to see them experiencing it. I think about um, all these opportunities that they continue to take. And then even though you're touring throughout the year, how often is it you're going immediately from one stop to the next to go practice, to get ready and now she actually has a few days before she has to find herself uh, not too far, thankfully, <laughs> over in the Charlotte area and and uh, prep for throw pink.
0: So, uh, speaking of a lot of things to do in the U.S., I really like following Evelina Solonen on mm-hmm. Instagram because it's like seeing your own country through a different <laughs> set of eyes. Yeah. because I mean, very simple. She posted a picture of just like a downtown, a, a little city downtown, just mm-hmm. a, a just a you know a, a Classic Americana. So cars on the side, a little, you know, just a downtown, and like she was just posting, like, "Oh, what a beautiful city!" And all I kept thinking is, like, "Yeah, it's like a city. Like, what? what I mean, it's like any other small town in the United States." But I think that's probably way different than their small towns because their small towns are five hundred or eight hundred years old. Our small towns are like two to three hundred years old. It's just a completely different style. So being able to follow her specifically. Is a real fun, um,
3: just perspective. Perspective, yeah.
0: On on what they get to do every day, and then, and I know Kristen's Tar also posts quite a bit, um, some of their adventures as well. But I really do. If if you want a, a very fun and innocent perspective on travel and life on the road, it's Evelina. If you want a different, my favorite follow on Instagram though is Ella Hansen. Just because she seems to always be having fun. And every once in a while, you get a great dance video.
3: Yeah, that, which... that's true. That is true as well. So uh, um, congrats. Let's, let's start. Where do you you want to start on FPO side or you want to start with every uh,
0: all the other divisions
2: let's, that weren't
3: necessarily? Let's co- start with
0: FPO and then we'll, okay. we'll, 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 we'll rattle through some of the other ones um, because this might just take us the longest. So overall, winning this event, as we said, Kristen Tatar. I'm going to continue to say Tatar because I don't know exactly how you're pronouncing it yet. Okay. And I, I, I understand. You, you don't
3: want to be thrown under that bus with the thousands I'm of okay. others that uh, decided to, to come at me in some capacity this weekend. Some of which might be perfectly right. Sure. Some of which were for sure, definitely wrong, but uh, plenty of people still want to uh, ride the uh, challenge, challenge train
0: about uh, where it's at. I'm just going to stick with Tatar. So Kristen okay. Tatar, um, Eighteen under par. It was closer than it than the three strokes. Um, there was a very. I was thinking of this the other day when I was watching the event on the final day. This was a very close parallel to Worlds in mm-hmm. that she had a competitor. It wasn't Missy this time, but it was Henna, who going into the third round, the 18th hole, was there competing with her, like mm-hmm. right there. In fact, she was up by two strokes, I believe. Yeah. And then has just a meltdown on hole 18 in the third round. And obviously, uh, Missy goes OB twice. Henna throws it into the woods and then plays from the wrong lie of all things and calls herself on it. Sportsman, all that great things. Nothing we would expect anything less. Um, But ends up down two strokes now going into the final round. And it completely changed the complexion of the event going into a final round with a lead like she did at worlds like she did here is a different type of pressure than going in even tied or down two strokes. We haven't Kristen hasn't really too often had to face that. And we've, we had a little bit of a talk about that last week, but, and from there, I mean, the, the, the final round, it, it got within a few with own, but like just, it never felt like Tatar was, was in danger of losing. There was, but there was always that thought like she could 18 is coming up. She's only, she's only got four strokes going into 18. Anything could happen. We, and even though you kind of know with Tatar, that's probably not going to happen, but we'd seen it in the past. Mm So I kind of drew the next parallel between that and worlds and that Tatar just was able to kind of, Again, not cruise through the final round, but not really stress herself out. And she played very well. Uh, Own made a tear coming from third place, <laughs> what, uh, shooting an eight under par. The course record, because I think previous to that was maybe seven or six. 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 Um, and in the middle of the course, rattled off seven straight birdies. Just yeah. unstoppable. To get within a few strokes, and then she takes the bogey on 13, and that's when you kind of thought, all right, well... The the miracle comeback isn't probably going to happen. And Owen finished, you know, three out of four with a bogey in there, uh, birdies. So three out of four birdies with a bogey in there to to end up losing to Tatar by three strokes. So overall, a great battle um, amongst a couple different women. But you know, <laughs> as uh, as Mo likes to put on Twitter. Whenever Tatar is going into the final round like this, like the the Thanos uh, meme, like she is inevitable. Like no. it just, it's like you can't get away from her. Yeah, she, and she's got the highest floor in the entire division.
3: <clears throat> and as we were just saying, the the chance or the likelihood of Henna actually pulling it off was a hundred percent real for so much of the weekend. Mm-hmm. She was playing so great. You know, sometimes she's plagued like Evelina. They can be plagued sometimes by short range putting that didn't appear to have any significant showing for her this weekend. And yes, there was a misstep here or there. And then sometimes when we see that, that will snowball into two or three or four of those instances that wasn't really the case for either of them throughout the entire
0: weekend i think that was one of the with henna the final round did get her a little bit
3: it it did but i mean she wasn't in a position where she was struggling from eight feet and then you know airballing two or three times back and forth that wasn't that never really happened and everybody has said it it's it's an elephant in the room and it's um, you know, it, it's not like anyone sugarcoating it. I would love or to tries see, to ignore it anymore. That that's where that's the only reason why <laughs> Evelina and Henna don't win more tournaments. <laughs> yes.
0: it's the only reason. I, I'm I'm with you because their their tea to green is phenomenal. They're exactly. usually leading. I would like to see Henna in a again going into that final round in the position of the lead. How does she react that way as opposed to having to push? Sure, and and it's a. You know, if you're Kristen Tatar, I think you've got probably the strongest mental game in the field. But if you're Henna, that's a big difference. Yeah. Chasing, especially coming off that hole 18. Yeah. It's- and, and being in the lead, where assuming if she was in the lead, she had a decent hole 18. Maybe she could have continued that. And instead, she, you know, her final round, she has a 36% C1X, misses one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of them inside the circle. And which again, unacceptable you're not going she knows she's not going to win that way we're not there's no shock there at all, so I would just have loved you know that that part of me that competitor would have loved to see Henna in a different position with a different mindset so but henna ends up taking third, I mean still a phenomenal six months ago, Henna and evelina were. They they weren't in the conversation for a while. Yeah, not nearly as be, much as they Because of been their putting.
3: For the previous few years. And so, uh, for both of them, I believe they mm-hmm. both have missed the Pro Tour finals. Yep. Neither of them had qualified. I know Evelina. They would
0: have had they played D Globe. Uh, right?
3: Yeah. Evelina needed to uh, essentially win. Oh, oh, and the same could be said of Henna. If either of them, per se, would have won the D, or I'm sorry, the. Uh, Maple Hill. Well, that's an automatic. That's what I'm saying. That was their last chance at really being able to get in. So, yeah, um, you know, throw pink. I think they've both posted something about playing throw pink will be their last one of the season here in the U S and then uh, I know they're both in their own ways looking forward to getting back to Finland. So yeah, it was an incredible battle for sure. And, and like you, you kind of just alluded to just the fact of how you go to bed on Saturday night, with whether it's a one-stroke lead or an, or even just being tied with Kristen, mm-hmm. just not suffering that that painful debacle. We'll say that was you know excruciating on eighteen. Like you just bogey it, or you even double bogey it because you hit an early tree and you're tied with her. You're like, ah, that's not you know the way it went down. The way it compounded just felt like it was just the the worst possible outcome ever. Mm-hmm. And so being able to reset that next afternoon, I give her a ton of credit to uh, come out and and fight, uh, you know, as, as well as she could, because, you know, that's just absolutely eating her up inside. Understandably so. <laughs> I don't think there's anyone in the world. I think I posted maybe on Twitter something along the lines of or replied to somebody just saying, like, if you weren't heartbroken by that. I'm. I'm not sure you sure. have we're, a heart. <laughs> yeah, where I don't know where I don't want to see any ha, any. I don't want any more look into your soul. Like <laughs> that was just excruciating. Somebody did specifically post and say, in the booth, how do you deal with that? I'm like, I was heartbroken like everyone else. Like nobody takes any joy or or justice or excitement in any of that because of everything that compounded in the way that it went down. You can struggle on a hole and be like, "Well, that's kind of their weakness. I maybe saw that coming." But just Nobody the way everything went sideways for her, just just terrible. So, very very unfortunate. And I will make the public clarification, there was a conversation about what rule was applied and whether it was a practice throw or not, and I continued to to kind of reference it as a practice throw and that it was disregarded when really that wasn't technically what it was. It was just basically, uh, the fact that a misplay, a a misplay, correct. Thank you. A misplay prior to a subsequent throw. And so had she gone to her next throw and then played from there and then somehow realized a misplay like that gets handled very differently. I personally did that in 1996. (laughs) Again, that's how much I remember it. Um, so it does matter when you discover a misplay, and in this case, it was discovered prior to throwing her next shot, uh, and therefore, that's essentially the set of rules that was applied. We continued to kind of say uh, practice throw, and it was disregarded. I mean, the, the numbers still came out the same, but it is worth noting what would have been officially applied. And so, I misspoke on on I had a knee jerk reaction and misspoke on Facebook. And I certainly would would like to make that clarification. Yes.
0: Well, you were also called out for the term casual relief versus relief, uh which is uh, you know I, I will take I will take the
3: blame there take, because take ultimately the I should look at that. Uh to be fair, um I didn't ever really look at whole eighteen's uh caddy book or read it. Mm-hmm. I'll read it right now. It says the creek defined by orange flags. Is a relief area per eight zero six point zero four not
0: casual relief, which is different. Correct.
3: And I don't know if I threw that extra word in there or Val did. Doesn't matter. It is worth specifying. So yes, Alan Risley, Throw AJ's a father under the bus. Wow. AJ's father wanted <laughs> us to make the distinction. I saw that days later, so it didn't do much good then. It is worth defining that. Yes, the creek defined by orange flags is a relief area per eight zero six point zero four, so and and I, and I don't say that at all in a cocky way, like I want it to be right, we should mm-hmm. make sure we're giving it to you right. I did not read the exact i think I think I heard the term casual relief early on, and I may or may not have also rolled with it. I should have read the actual um T sign rules myself uh, to look for the exact word, but it was not casual. It was considered a relief area, which is then usually played differently from a casual relief. (laughs) So yes, let's get it right. I'm I'm all about get it it right. And if people don't think I can't admit to being wrong, I'll admit all day long if I'm wrong. I have no problem with that (laughs) whatsoever. I want it to be right and right for the record books and right for everyone else. So yes, I apologize if any mistakes
0: were made. And tied for fourth place. With Evelina Solomon, who the person who was your tied for your leader after the first round and coming off of her uh, win at uh, the MVP Open, Haley King ends up tying for fourth, has, you know, unfortunate second round where she just, it just looked like she was checked out, honestly. And I, I, I'm not in her head. I don't know. But just poor play. A couple easy missed putts from her perspective. She posted about it down on social media um, that you know she needed to get back into it. Uh, but she, And she ultimately did. She, ultimately did. she shot a, a, a 67 and then a 65 the second round, which was like the second hottest or third hottest score on, mm-hmm. the, on the course. So congratulations to Haley. In sixth place, Jessica Wees, Seventh place, Valerie Mondejano, Tie, a three-way tie for eighth place. Stacey Ronsley, Missy Gannon, and Luque Lawrenson. So that is your top 10 in the FPO division.
3: Yeah, and and within that top 10, it is certainly worth mentioning that when we see those women, Missy Gannon came up six spots in the final round, having what I believe was her best round of the tournament, uh, that particular round. Yeah, she had five under and she was four for the tournament. So definitely her best round. Stacy Ronsley, who was charging in the early goings of the tournament, had one of her best rounds at five
0: at a six under. And, and the weather was, could, the weather was nice to be fair. Sure. Like but it, it was a little, it was a, rounds
3: one and two were okay. Yeah. Rounds three, three round three, round three was, eight, was a little brutal. <laughs> um, but Stacy came up eight spots to tie for eighth. Along with uh, Luke and that, and along with Missy. Valerie came up two spots and Jessica came up four spots. So uh, I, it's definitely worth noting. You see where they finished, but they also, you know, made kind of that late charge to get there and, um, you know, call that a confidence moving in, you know, whatever, finishing strong. I mean, Missy Gannon, you know, deemed big money Missy. Has had such an incredible second half of the season. We constantly talk about how she's been on fire essentially since around PCS, around uh uh Des Moines and, and that general time frame. She's been on fire. And then this this weekend she wasn't a factor really at all. So to see her then jump up into a tie for eighth after moving up six spots, uh certainly a, a good finish, a, a good strong finish for her. So uh awesome to see that Kristen Along with this is the first to get to a hundred thousand. Just over,
0: is, yeah. She's at she's at just over a hundred thousand
3: right now, and now doing it in back to back years. Technically, yes. she won a hundred thousand before Ricky or Paul or anyone else did last year. Uh, maybe by only a few hours, but she got there first. And then this year, she's already the first of all players to get to a hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. If I understand that correctly,
0: yeah. There, there's a really good chance that she is going to set. Um she's going to set another record more than likely uh unless something crazy happens. Yeah. But uh, she, the question is she will,
3: has to basically DNF yeah, at
0: throw pink and yeah. then not not get past round 1 yeah. at uh <clears throat> so yes. <laughs> Correct. But not only that but she will there's a really good chance she's going to set the all-time record not just the FPO record yes. which she had set last year and for like we said for a few hours had the all-time record until Ricky jumped up on her. And uh, and won the Tour Championship. But regardless, almost, of who wins, unless probably someone like Vinny wins, or maybe Isaac. I, I'd have to look at where the MPL one is right now. Um, wins the next two events. They're probably... Kristen's going to have the money lead, probably, at the end of the season for the entire division. Which is amazing, considering... Other than this event, the USWGC, which has 90 women, normally the women's fields are 20 to 30 women. And you have anywhere between half to 40% of the payout that the men do. She wins so much (laughs) money and tournaments. So good for her. Well, and then you put
3: it on top of it. You know, she missed playing in one of or what was one of the largest payouts of the year playing in Mm Glow. She wasn't even on site for it. And she also didn't play in... Uh, was she at Des Ledgestone. Yeah. Was she at Des Moines? Yeah, she won Des yeah, She, she, won, she won, won Des Moines, yeah. But she didn't play at Ledgestone either. Uh, two of the largest Pssh. payouts of the entire I don't need year. Those. She, I don't need she those. didn't play in those. So, uh, yeah, she's already over 100,000. Last year, it was 103,000 and change. Ricky has the record at 105,000 and change, which she's already over 100 this year. Uh, she's at a hundred thousand and ninety-seven dollars. Uh, so, yeah, incredible, absolutely awesome. And then I think about the European, yeah, at the okay, yeah. So at the European disc golf championship, which she went on to win, she had a huge lead and 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 still went on to win it. She got thirty-seven hundred dollars. We'll call it thirty-eight hundred dollars if we want to be nice and round up thirty-seven whatever. First place D for Own was fifteen or sixteen or no n- what it was like twelve. Twelve? Uh let's find it. Sorry.
0: All right. Ten. 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 All right. Yeah. So 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 she could have racked up another seven grand. Assuming she wins.
3: I'm not saying just if she wins. Just knowing though, like that and like we said, Ledgestone, two of the biggest payouts of the year, uh bigger payouts of the year were two events that she also wasn't at. So nonetheless, insanely impressive uh, for sure. We, I've been told, and this is the only reason why I could say what I did a moment ago. I was, I mentioned it on air. I think at MVP that payouts for the pro tour championship at Nevin are at least going to be what they were
0: last year. Okay. I, at least. It's and a, I, it's what I expect. Yeah. I, I know it's, it's a big expectation. I, I, <laughs> I don't, I shouldn't expect anything, but I don't see the pro tour moving backward in pay usually. So, no. at, at minimum probably maintaining, if not maybe an extra couple grand.
3: Yeah, so that that's uh, I was I was told it'd be at least that. So we'll we'll see how it gets added. But just just if you do want to think ahead, I don't know what throw pinks looks like, but let's just say it's ten. Hopefully, probably ten thousand. And if she were to win the tour championship, of course, this these are all, you know, big ifs. Uh, even if she is a heavy That's favorite, there's still two big ifs. Was that if twenty five? she wins, a, uh, I want, no. I think they both got thirty. last year. They both got year. thirty last year. Okay, thirty or thirty five. They both got the the champions both got thirty. I yeah, think. I know
0: they got matching. I just couldn't yeah. remember the so amount. So
3: you're talking about potentially adding another forty? Potentially adding another forty onto that.
0: Yeah, not bad. Eh, not a bad deal. Not not too bad. Not Let's too talk trendy. about some of the other winners in the field. We're going to go to the FP40 division. We'll probably just rattle through these relatively quickly. <clears throat> um, Jen Allen wins this one shooting 14 over par, beating Stephanie Vincent. FP50, Des Redding beats Juliana Corver in, in pretty handily, handily fashion by 10 strokes over four rounds. Um, not... The outcome that most would have predicted with the way j k's been playing on the fpo side and she had her by fifty ratings points so it it largely was the first round yeah it you was, see
3: they she they, she
0: beat her every single round she did, but yeah. I'm just saying. Seven first round
3: was seven. The next three rounds were one stroke, one stroke, and one stroke. Yeah, Des shot why a nine ninety-five. largely the first round. There was a significant difference. Yeah, Des with that incredible first round. What did you just say? It was nine ninety-five. Oh, okay, I, I thought it was over a thousand. It was originally over a thousand at first unofficial glance, and then it moved down. Nonetheless, congrats to Des.
0: FP fifty-five. Amy Cooper beating out Barrett White. FP60, Pamiflage, Renicky, winning this one. FP65, Donna Greist, Greist, Greist. Greist, I'm go I with believe. Greist. Uh, FP75, a name I love to say every time, Sylvia Volks, who is just an absolute uh, Hall of Famer. And she's a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I couldn't remember if it was just her or Dr. Rick. And I'm like, no, they're <laughs> both in there. Yeah. 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 Uh, Sylvia Volks, who just, if you if you ever get the chance to sit and chat with Sylvia, just an absolute pleasure. Um, Fa one over into the amateur divisions. Virginia Polkinghorn is one in a playoff over Jennifer Smiley. So right. it uh, and my understanding is Virginia could have played in uh, F, FJ fifteen or something. She's very young.
3: Yeah, I've seen her. Win or at least podium at various junior worlds yes. for a number of years. Her mom was out playing somewhere also,
0: I, Look, I believe, within she, one of the divisions. For as young as she is, she's, she, you, know, she, you know, she's got a parent involved because her PDJ number is <laughs> 76009. Yeah. So, you know, the next, there's only <laughs> like one other player with a five digit PDJ number, <laughs> maybe two or three. Yeah. Um, but so, congratulations, Virginia. Moving down to FA 40, uh, Brandy Buckaloo wins this one by three strokes over Michelle Cable FA 50 Allie Lawler FA 55 Angie Jones FA sixty Janice Jones FA sixty five Donna Stanley FA 70 Patty Adams I love this FA seventy five I just love the fact that we're getting to like FA 75 mm-hmm. this is phenomenal uh Judy Binns FA two Samantha Landers that was a big field FA three Abigail McDonald, FA4, Sierra Adams, FJ15, Kayla Haas. Also, also interjecting, Go Kayla, for.
3: I think it was round two, got an ace on hole two, and I believe was the first ace of the entire oh, tournament. Nice. Uh, and it may, it may have been round one, but I believe it was hole two regardless. Uh, So, shout out to her again. I I shouted her out on the broadcast. I saw the social media post. I want to get the shout out in there. So, congrats on the ace.
0: Great job, Kayla. Uh, FJ12 is MJ Gager. And FJ10, Hayden Harper. Congratulations to all of the winners. There's a lot. uh, I've been thinking a lot about... Because as we know right now with Kristen Tatar and Terry, please... Just don't interrupt me. Just sit down, button your lips, and don't... There's a lot of people talking about the GOAT argument. Um, and all I keep... What I keep thinking is how people are looking at Kristen Tatar's uh, skill set and her rating and saying how great she is. No doubt. Um, for me, the greatest of all time, I think you need a little longevity. Kristen Tatar is really just kind of getting <laughs> getting into her second or third year in the in the pro field. But... I look at the women that are coming up in the next five to 10 years that are going to have all the skills that KT has. And all I think is like, cool. In 10 years, we're going to look at Tatar and we're going to talk about Tatar probably almost in the same way. We talk about Juliana Corver from whatever, looking at these fields like, Oh, Oh, Kristen Tatar was only facing these women and their, her average field you know competition was like rated like 950 like who cares look at look look at kayla hess now she's beating all these women 970 rated women and it's like we're gonna look at this field for the next 5 10 15 years and watch the quality of the play go up and up and up it is going to be fun to to just kind of watch this field grow because i I don't want to say it stagnated for many years, but it didn't get the momentum that we truly have now um, until the last, I would say five years. It was always growing a little bit, but in the last five years, like a lot of things in disc golf, we've seen it really take off. And I think a lot of that has to do with the payouts we're seeing. It has a lot to do with the personalities on the FPO side. Um, how another reason why I love this particular event There was, uh, I saw a social media post from someone that had said something along the lines of, Hey, my daughter played in one of the junior divisions and got to meet Kristen Tatar when she was signing autographs. And she asked, and Kristen asked her how she did and sat and listened to her. And it's that type of personality that I think is really going to help push. Our sport. And and it's not just Kristen, it's basically every FPO player. I, I think there I I honestly have a hard time thinking of any FPO player that wouldn't give the time to a junior uh girl mm-hmm. to sit and chat with them about maybe how their round went and just talk to them and maybe sign a disc. It's it's really great. But I just it makes me think of like these these greatest of all time conversations, and all I'm thinking is like cool. In 10 years, it'll be somebody different that are, that's looking at this than is going to be the first thousand and five rated woman and is going to be putting, you know, they might not have the same season that Tatar had where you're mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're going to be dom not dominating, but winning every, uh, every major, but you're still going to see the level, uh, the skill level be better than Tatar in 10 years. I think there will be someone better than Kristen Tatar in 10 years. Just period. It's just the way, not according to what everybody else knows on the internet. Well, they don't know. I'm on the internet too, Terry. So my opinion matters. <laughs> okay. And I've got okay. a microphone. So I've got one up on him. I'm on the That's internet true. and a microphone. Yeah. So ultimately it's uh the FPO field is in a good place just scrolling through all these names. Um it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh
3: well, what I'll say to that real quick is yeah, I I you're basically saying that the 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 floor will continue mm-hmm. To, to rise yep. and that skill sets across the board from a larger swath and variety of women will continue to get better throughout. And it's, it's just no going to be a, a much more, it's going to continue mm-hmm. to be competitive, but the competition and the space is going to continue to get better. And, and I'm not uh, saying in
0: in ten years Tatar isn't going to be uh, even uh, in the FPO or winning. Look at Owen Scoggins. Look at Jen Allen. Exactly. Look at the, look at the women who are still can maintain. I think at worst you're going to see Kristen Tatar in ten years. She's she will be like you're going to look at her and be like, yeah, I'm not going to be shocked if she wins, but she's probably a top five to seven golfer compared to maybe the women that we're going to be seeing out there. It's it's just the way the field goes. And she, I mean, Tatar's thirty three, thirty one. You know, looking at that master's field, you know, with with the, with the already the slight injury history that Kristen has, it wouldn't shock me if she slowed down a little bit and, and get a bunch of wins the next three, four, five years and she slow down. She might get down. bored with winning. She might get bored with winning and She's lifting trophies.
3: She's a person, and she may find something else to dominate. No, I don't I, think so. <laughs> I, I don't believe I'm about to say this, but this is everything he just said. And how we feel about it is clearly no disrespect to her current skill sets. And well, yeah, I think no. some people are immediately going to be like, oh, you don't think she's that good? We're not saying that. No, she, she obviously is incredible and is on top of the game right now. She's the best FPL you, player out there right exactly. now. Exactly. And we're going. it's just inevitable, though, that we're going to see others also show up with similar skill sets it's inevitable at this point. As we continue to see, just think how many of you knew Silva Saranin's name eighteen months ago? Mm. Unless you lived overseas, you didn't. And now you you see how she pots. Do you see? She's so good. How she pots? She's So good. Are you kidding? Like, and I'm not just claiming she's going to be the one that is going to be you know next in the line necessarily. She's already old.
0: But she, I'm just she's saying, like
3: what, seventeen or something? Eighteen? I don't know just how young she is.
0: I don't know, but she's a, she's already too old. I'm sorry. Like I, the point, I, I'm looking at these juniors that are going to come up and dominate. The,
3: just the point is uh. that when you as good as Kristen is and will continue to be, when we have five uh, Silva Sarnins yeah. out there, it's going and and just yeah it, the the competition is going to continue to rise and eventually then compact a little bit and like you said at some point
0: you're gonna be like oh
3: yeah but field size was or field field well, depth, field size
0: and depth yes size and depth are, are both going to continue the, to grow you know the more the quality of the FPO player rises the harder it's going to be to keep the field sizes what they are. Cause right now, like I said, the field sizes are 50 and 40, 50 and 60. Yeah. You're looking at anywhere between, you know, 30 to 50, 30, maybe, maybe 60 for a good, for a really good uh, pro tour event. But, And then the men, we're looking at 125. We're going to see that start to shift. We need to see that start to shift as the FPO quality gets better. You need to start getting rid of the bottom of the MPO field. If you want to keep these in the, again, we're looking a long ways away. If you want to keep these in the same place and same time, you're going to have to start going more, you know, 50-50. You're going to have to maybe only have 80 men and then fill that with better women. Yeah, that, that, but, but that's that will a continue whole to be <laughs> uh, an entirely separate conversation as to women
3: at the same course, same property, yeah. same time, same weekend. Yep. That's going to continue to evolve as a conversation as well. And will we be fighting for uh, a I, – I don't think equity is quite the word, but maybe. Will there be, – will become eventually a little more equal in terms of overall – uh, spots allowed and offered that, that is a, again, those are, those aren't answers or conversations that Johnny will be part of. Those will be not only above our background.
0: Well, they'll, they'll it's be above the our future. You can't predict the future. Yeah, no, I, I could be PDGA. You just did. I could be PDGA. Um, uh, Ruthless leader. That would be my, that will be my title. PDGA ruthless leader. And I will just dictate I didn't want to be a dictator. I thought that'd be too much ruthless leader. I'll go with um, and dictate my particular plans, which are always right to the entire PDGA. So I'm just saying you don't you can't see the future, Terry, even though you just predicted it <laughs> well, whatever. with the FPO division anyway. So, yes. Awesome.
3: <laughs> uh, the, 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 here, here's the only snippet of goat conversation that I want to inject and then we'll move on because so many are throwing the word around, and I think you all know that how I stand, everything I just repeated about how good Kristen is. I'm not second-guessing any of that. Just keep this in the back of your head for one second as you continue to lob out or or scream out the goat conversation. If in some wild world Kristen remains 100% healthy or 98% healthy, but doesn't go on to win another world championship title, besides the two she's already collected. And whether this we have this conversation in two or four or ten years, and we check back in, and she she has taken second or third or whatever, has not claimed another world title. What if she, she won another major? She has two. Do you guys continue? To attach the goat name. And I'm, I'm not going to belabor on this anymore. I'm I, not. I'm just. Keep the, that in the back the, of your mind. He, here's
0: what I say. I wasn't it, looking for what you say, but go I ahead. I know. If Kristen Tower were to never play another event from this point on, she retires. She's like, I'm okay. done. She's still the goat. Like, if something were to befall her, if, if you know, um, she decides, you know what? I'm going to join stock car racing. I'm going out on top. I'm, I'm just, I'm done right now. Do you still attach? That's the way I look at it. Like, I couldn't. Again, because I believe in, you need a little bit more longevity. We've got women who have been playing 10, 15 years that have four, five world titles and multiple majors and this and that. So, that's how I look at it. Like, if you were to stop right now, would I consider you the greatest? I, that wouldn't be the case for me and Tatar. Do I think she has the highest skill set of any FPO player probably of all time? Probably. At least the highest floor, most best consistency. But we saw just, you know, last week Haley King beat her without a I mean not I say without a problem, but like Haley King has the, the entire skill set that Kristen Tatar has. Long putter, great forehand, probably a smoother, further backhand. We, we've we just seen Haley not have necessarily the mental game or the consistency. And that's the only difference. So, if you're talking skill set, there are other women who match Kristen Tar's skill set. They just can't do it on a regular basis. As yeah. opposed to Juliana Corver, which nobody matched her skill set back when she was winning. Like, she was just so dominant. Uh, but. Again, that's uh, that that's that's how I look at it. So, but please continue to have your conversation. Keep it's, having your conversation. It's fun. I just it's wanted fun. you to put that in your back pocket.
3: That if that were to be the case, and we fast forward five years, are we are you still attaching that moniker? Yeah, moniker, superlative, whatever you want to acronym. Yeah, are you still attaching that? That's that's what I will say. And yes, that leads to the longevity conversation. All right, I'm going to move on from that. Yes, From the little bit I have seen, somebody asked, uh, I think it was Mark Hill or somebody asked on the board, if the FP40 and the FPO division played the same course, I believed, believed that the regulator course was exclusive to FPO for the weekend. That's what I saw ahead of time. If you check PDGA right now, it shows that FP40 played there. However... I don't believe that to be the case.
0: That could just be a. Uh, I a think that t-
3: is a tournament an older, director yeah, mistake. And and scroll down, go over the FP fifty. See, okay, because I know Des for sure tapped out or or won her the final hole that they showed was not the final hole at the on the regulator course. That's how I know FP fifty didn't. And the last updated schedule shows that the FPO was the only division to play that course. So, uh, so if you're looking at some of the ratings, you know maybe an FP forty, they could be a little off. Th- that's why likely they could be off. I don't have any PDGA people to yell at here or anyone else, <laughs> and I wouldn't be yelling. But sounds like I think I there's a, a minor distinction that needs to be clarified at least. And that's this actually brings it up another good point, which is. If you go to the PDGA page, go back there, Johnny, just for a sec, and you scroll up to the top where it shows talks about ratings, if it says live scores and stats, da-da-da, it says unofficial results. And that's where it says official ratings pending. This is exactly why. Because something may have been put in to the system at some point throughout this week or weekend, and there might need to still be a tweak. And those are all the types of things that hopefully get – completely finalized prior to them closing out uh, and officially posting the rating. So I don't know if FP40 played it or not. I'm sure we can ask somebody that's Lance or somebody else if uh, if we get there. But um, I I was under the impression only FPO played the regulator course. There we go. Uh, people are asking when Lance is coming on. I think he's I think he's effectively uh, attracted his entire family and then some <laughs> as they're as they're uh, hounding the message board, he's trying to find a, a place to to safely pull aside. It sounds like I've sent him a link. We'll have to do a little uh, testing behind the scenes and we'll have to make sure that he's good to go. <laughs> Hopefully, it sounds like he'll be here soon. So testing just yeah yes lance bass will be on tonight uh, and we're looking forward to that reunion tour from those guys or something like that all right so we've named off all the players uh congrats uh, first and foremost to obviously all of our champions all the competitors the club that has to put it on the 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 fact that we saw this brand new course as well and the other courses that were prepped for it so tip of the, the cap to all of those people the sponsors, Discraft, I think. I don't know when Discraft was officially became on board or was uh, listed as title sponsor, but I want to make sure that we get another shout-out in uh, for them being a presenting sponsor. Uh, the PDGA, obviously a monumental effort to be there and, and provide as much support. Chuck Conley and then everyone else involved. And, and a little tease, because they've been here for a couple of weeks now, a little tease will be that part have. of our giveaways tonight. Uh, we've got some <clears throat> Discraft. U.S. women's. And we have two giveaways to do tonight. So, so that works out well. Look at that. Uh, so we've got some U.S. women's stamped discraft. discs. Yes, this one is in particular is a heat. And Ooh, this I like one, the, I believe, is a buzz. I like a throwing buzz. the heat. If I, I was, like throwing uh, buzz,
0: too. how
2: nice!
3: Buzz SS. So we've got a Buzz SS, which will also be given away. And, of course, if you're a Patreon supporter and you know all the, the ways to go about mm. that. These are the two specific discs that will be given away. Thank you to Chuck. Thank you to Discraft uh for all of this. So Thank you guys. Thanks a lot. Um so usually I can't tease it out cuz it's, you know, just something that's coming out of out of my stash, but these have been sitting here and ready to go for a little while. All right. Until we get Lance up in here, we'll talk about a, a few other things going on. Uh first of all, it was really I don't know, kind of refreshing and and nice. We didn't have any MPO, I don't want to say high-level competition. There, there were MPO players playing around the country doing things or other tournaments, yes, that took place. But all of the focus this weekend was top-level and full focus on FPO from a media perspective. And I absolutely love that. Was there was there anything else in terms of big events going on, Johnny, that we uh need to shout out or even
0: well there's uh, I mean there were a few A tiers going on Okay. Um, here in Wisconsin, we had Lake Superior Open, which is a way, way, way up north. Um winning this one, Calvin Longquist beating Kale Leviska. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, Ryan Sheldon and Alex Russell. And a name we haven't heard in a long time. Isaac McDonald. Yeah, I I'm saw Nick. Isaac at an event not too long ago. Like, it feels like he had such like it was him versus Anthony Barella for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And it was like he was going to be the next thing, and Anthony Barella was going to be the next thing. And then he kind of vanished. Like I don't know if you took some time off or he just didn't bother touring or what. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can give us a little more insight into that if you if you've talked to him at all. But Isaac McDonald, uh who's still nine seventy-three rated out there, uh taking fifth place out there. Um what else we got? We have the Rock thirty Rock Thirty games presented the 10th annual Cass Clay Fla- fall classic. Ah, oh, I already know who won this one. Says he got his first ever A tier win. Really? Guy, yeah. This is a guy this you and is I his played first way back in the day. Kyle Pinkman. Yes. PDG number 29248. That's uh, Kyle. Congratulations, Kyle. Yep. Right out of St. Cloud, Minnesota, beating Jamie Espinoza. Congratulations, Kyle, getting your first. Wow. I can't believe that's his first A tier His A-tier.
3: first A tier open win. Yes. Yeah, I mean, he's got other wins. He's got a lot I of mean, wins. He played in Minnesota. He plays in Minnesota. With a ton of other really good golfers, yeah, so it's tough to get that. Win that's very as, true. As an A-tier.
0: That's very very true. And you've got when, you've, when you're fighting Kale constantly. Yeah, that's you know, and Alex Geisinger for the longest time. Those are tough wins. Uh, the thirtieth thirtieth an, annual Colorado State Disc Golf Championships in MPO. I want to say no surprise who wins this one, but maybe it's a little bit of a surprise. He only wins Barely. by one Joe Revere. Recent guest of the show, beating Calvin Delamere. Congratulations! Third place, Justin Billado and Tyler Liebman, over on the FPO side. You have Ratana Meekum who we all know is dating Eagle McMahon right now. She wins seven hundred dollars, beating Sammy Joe Guerrero. Wow, Sammy so. Joe! Uh, good to see you
3: out there, and Jenny yep. Umstead uh, rounding it out. Awesome!
0: That's. Some great- I think
3: uh, Patrick Brown, I hope he's doing well. I think I saw a post from him. I think he was playing there and maybe had some food poisoning or something. And even though he was in the lead, had to withdraw from the tournament. Bummer. And he couldn't go out second or third round. So hopefully Patrick Brown's feeling better.
0: Discraft's Oakland County Championship. Andrew Marweed wins this one over Tim Barham. Uh, Andrew wins by nine strokes. Congratulations, Andrew in the FPO field. Lindsay Messner. It feels so funny to like the FPO field when the the biggest FPO field of all time was on the other side of the country. Um but or actually not the other side of the country. This is still in Milford, Michigan, but um and in the FPO, like I said, Lindsay Messner uh beating Sandy Hendel. Congratulations. All right. That that's good enough. The rest are just yeah, uh, read. read uh, let, let's go into
3: Indiana. I almost attended that uh, event in the last couple of years. Indiana hosted. An all E-tier. right, this is
0: I, this is a long one, so I was going to skip it. The Thirteenth <laughs> annual Severin Lang Memorial presented by Crazy Disc Mixed Disc Pro, Crazy. or sorry, Disc Crazy um, Mixed Pro and MA One. I didn't
3: want to Indiana to think we were you know we Forgetting were losing them.
0: them there. Zach Arlinghouse by six strokes over Tall Paul Omen. Congratulations! And in the FBO. Oh, there was no FPO field, no. so.
3: Okay. Gotcha. That's what we saw for stateside A-tiers, and it looks like uh, maybe the Swedish Disc Golf Pro Tour also wrapped up over the weekend. Congrats to them, and uh, looking forward to seeing what's going to happen next year. I know they've got some big announcements that they're working on. Um, so, yeah, Uh love to find myself back
0: over there at some time or another. Don't bring him. Bring me. Call me. I'll figure something out. Just call me. <laughs> I mean, you could join <laughs> me. But I go eh. first. And then, eh. then
3: you you can also come. Eh. How's that? Anything you can but do. But you over me? Anything you can
0: do, I can do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, I can put out shot-by-shot shot coverage. Ain't, yep, that, hard? Yep, ain't yep. that hard? It ain't hard. It ain't, you're right. You are <laughs> right. I mean, it's not going to get out. Well, it might get out sooner than Terry. It might, you never know. It <laughs> it depends it on. Might. depends on how Terry does. <clears throat> depends on the weekend. Depends on the All weekend.
3: All right. Uh, Johnny, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let Lance know. He can click on the link, Lance. If you're watching, you can yeah. click on it and we'll uh, quickly try and make sure everything on the on the back end here works for you. And then we could get Lance in here and uh, you'll f- quickly find out exactly um, why we need some insights coming out of him. And hopefully he'll tap in and click on that in a moment and hopefully it all works. It
0: says he's logged in. He just needs to maybe turn on a camera or something. Yeah,
3: give access to his uh, camera and or
0: microphone. Um Works best. I'll send him a quick message. Uh, Just some other quick news. We saw today the DGPT actually made an announcement about some off season disc golf network exclusive content. Dang. Yeah. Uh, There's going to be two new Jomez shows that premiere exclusively on Disc, disc golf network and the Jomez pro Patreon. Uh, that's the catch with Brian Earhart, which is kind of, they say along the lines of hot ones or comedians and cars getting coffee or comedians and cars eating hot ones. I'm not sure how it works, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Brian Earhart's going to be hosting it. Um, looks sounds like they're going to have people like James Conrad, Gannon Burr, JK. That's, you know, that's where we're saying, Oh, I see a Lance Brown in my corner. Um, and then they're going to also do the Paul Macbeth European tour. Okay. So I think Joy Tamale was over there with him filming a lot okay. of that. Then as well, we're going to see just a little bit more content, Uh, Three distance competitions that Joe Pro covered. uh, Playing with the Champs, which features Ben Askren and Burt Kreishner. Live coverage of the Euro Tour Championship, as well as the NADGT. The first ever combination pickleball and disc golf doubles event. A special episode of On Tour with James Proctor. And a new season of Finding the Lines with Paul McBeth and Dylan Cease. So those are the things that you can look forward to on the Disc Golf Network. Sweet. All right.
3: So those things will all be available. I still don't understand why they're giving away free subscriptions, uh, but yeah, hopefully if that's something you were looking for and you jumped on, then uh, you were able to take advantage of it. So uh hope that all is uh, going to be. And it's so funny because you think by the time these are out and available and you consume them, Well, I mean, they're going to obviously kind of slow roll throughout, uh, you know, the slower part of our off season, so to speak. But then we're like, we kick back off. It's Mm -hmm. like already February and we're usually back for the tour or for the all-stars. And then we lead right into Vegas come February. So by the time this is what essentially we wrap up late, mid to late October, you have November, December, January, and then you're back. Boom, boom, boom. With full-fledged live. So all of that stuff comes in the downtime, plus a ton of probably content on the Disc Golf Guy channel on YouTube. Easy plug. But by the time, then all of a sudden you're ready to go again. So <clears throat> hopefully uh, everybody enjoys what they they have to offer. I mean, I'm not involved with any of that, I don't think. So it should be great and good <laughs> luck. Or Johnny. Johnny's new show.
0: You should have a show. I should have a show. Not on the Disc Golf Network, though. They can't They can't handle this <clears throat> That you don't think they're ready for that jelly? They're not ready for this jelly.
3: What we are ready for, though, is a little bit of Lance Brown action, and uh looks like he's ready to go. He's got it all queued up, and uh, we're just going to hit the button and hope that it works. Lance, how you doing?
1: Hey, how's it going? Heck hey, yeah. It's going
3: good. It's great. It's, it's, it's almost like we know what we're doing. Yeah, he pressed all the right buttons, mm-hmm. and so uh, let, let's, first of all, welcome to the show, of course. Um, Thank you. Where are you and what are you doing right now?
1: Um, I went to practice Winthrop today, so I'm like a half hour away from home. A uh, little bit short notice on the call, but that's okay. Well,
3: well I, I appreciate, appreciate it. Yeah, uh, Lance had reached out and said <laughs> that uh, if if we're looking for any insights or information uh, with regard to this weekend – uh, that he could be available, so yes, I was very late in getting to you, but I do appreciate you being willing to jump on with us i'm just going to start with what I feel like was the talk of the weekend outside of the play, which is the event ran smoothly, and maybe even more so the
0: the the f p o course the regulator was very well received, and there was some there's a little nerves behind that because it hadn't really been tested in a division like this and this size so i know there was a little bit of talk behind the scenes so let's start with right off the top ha
3: what was your involvement break it all down for us for those that don't know
1: uh so to go back to like the beginning uh just funny enough about 10 years ago there was the selensky us masters at cedar rock park Mm -hmm. um obviously like a ton of divisions there for that too but I was just into the sport. So I, it was kind of like rainy. So I didn't go out because I just kind of knew about it. And then I like played the course a couple of times, but I had just played Wellspring and Cedar Rock, uh, for like the last two or three years with some friends. So that, that was funny enough. That was 10 years ago. And then just over, over the years, like since then, I'd gotten together with Chuck Connolly and Jacob Wade and just some of the local club and kind of helped, um, reestablish the layout, um, which is kind of on the same property as like a temp layout that we're able to do every year for the tournament. And about two years ago, less than two years ago, actually, we finally got approval. Thanks to Brian Baker with the parks at that time to finally have a long awaited third permanent course at the property, which is basically like decades in the waiting because everyone knew that the land's just incredible for it. Um, so we just needed the city and the park really on board. And once that happened, um, uh, we got the ball rolling with designing the long tees actually, because that's, we didn't have really anything else, but to design the longs and then the shorts. And about a month into that process, um, I had heard that we had a U.S. women's bid. I didn't know how seriously to take it because, you know, this is not even a course yet. This is just like a concept at this point. And we find that we actually got the bid. So we're like, Oh, well, um, yeah, that's great that we designed the long spaces spaces first because we're going to have room, but now we got to figure out how to make a great FPO layout. Um, and just knowing that some events in the past have, or have not been like as well received just, just from the course design perspective, but there's not, I guess there's not as much precedent, um, with courses being made just for the FPO division. We really wanted to do our best to um, cater to them and to get some feedback and to do some data research um, with that so like I said that was less than two years ago and uh, it's I've seen a lot of a lot of awesome work from a lot of people uh, go into it since then and a lot of headaches and a lot of uh, overthinking and um, a lot of trees cleared <laughs> a lot of grass cut just man and it 's not many of us know what it looked like just not so long ago, so it it 's kind of hard to describe how special it is uh, just what transpired over the last week or so
3: and now so many people have hopes or dreams or aspirations of possibly being involved in some type of course design and and for some it'll hopefully <laughs> remains a pipe dream, and some might actually get the chance but yeah. Where, where does course design, where does that analysis, where does all that type of stuff kind of rank for you? Do you see this as a, you know, uh, maybe even a post-playing career or or like how important is course design to you?
1: Um, I found it to be the thing that I'm most passionate about um, outside of playing um, at my current state in life. Like I really, I'm very competitive about everything and I really enjoy competing and playing. Um, but I think the reason I grew to love course design is from traveling all these years uh whether I've had success or not, you do see um where the game is at the top level and you see uh what makes good course design and what makes a good hole and vice versa and that's something I've really been able to learn and uh just kind of give good input like constructive feedback and also just kind of uh learned from our course designs over the years with the temporary layout. Like we did some stuff that didn't end up working and I was the I'll be the first to say like I pushed for a lot of it. And even with this course, like uh Chuck and Jacob uh really and myself, it was good that we had a committee approach because there were sometimes I want to make a hole longer or do something different and they kind of pushed back and like had a different angle or said, let's see if we can make somebody throw a placement shot and Land in this specific area and then see how it goes. And then we'll distance will come into play sometimes. And uh, other times, we're going to see if they can, under the pressure of this tournament, we're going to see if they can put it where you need to put it. And we're going to go that route. We're going to use these woods as basically OB. And you're going to have to scramble and you're going to have to be very precise. So. Uh, just long answer. Yes, I love course design. I would love to be able to do that after I'm done competing, or while I'm still competing, for sure.
0: So, do you feel like I'm obviously? I'm assuming you saw everything. Do you feel like the course played like you predicted? Did you predict scores? Did you? Do do were there holes that you were like, oh, I honestly didn't think about that, or I would I would change this for the FPO field after after watching them play.
1: Yeah, there wasn't there wasn't too much that surprised me as much as we needed to change. Like there's probably, there's just like some small trees to be cleared. There's a second fairway to be opened here and there. Um, And also in mind with like using the same fairways for the long tees, like some of the gaps aren't going to be as fair if we don't widen them out in certain spots, maybe some of the rough needs to be cleared out. Um, But man, just, just like the event as a whole, um, it just went better than we could have we could have thought for the FPO division and I will shout out to uh Sarah Hokum for coming by about a year ago uh and just kind of walking the course with us and giving some really helpful feedback and we made some tweaks after she came through um we did have we did have Barry Schultz out there uh earlier on in the process probably like a year and a half ago like just a few months into planning and and clearing um and it was funny because he did say Yeah, there's a lot of straight. There's a lot of straight here, but that's not a bad thing. More (laughs) more straight spots than most places. And I think that kind of, um, that kind of inspired me to make, you know, kind of a hooking finish left or right here and there, maybe like a little more hyzer one way or the other off, off some of the T pads. Um, but I think what makes it unique is like Brian Earhart was saying is just the hyzer flip angles you need to achieve some of the landing zones without much of a finish and it was interesting to see you know how that played for the FPO division just a different distance than just this different um comfort of achieving distance than like we had when we had test events and when we had B tiers and stuff like that but uh just Robert Leonard was super helpful with the data analytics and looking at the scoring spreads from the B tiers that we did have last fall and this spring um and kind of making some adjustments and uh just going with all that we did the absolute best we could and you know i would say very few things that we would change if we had another us women's next month you know that like they were very uh blown away by how well it was received and how well it played and from how many women had a tough time out there and came off the course and say i got regulated but absolutely loved it the course is awesome <laughs>
0: wow um, i mean it seemed like it played very fair I mean, if yeah. if you if you threw, as any woods golf will see, some you know you can miss by a, a by three feet and land next to the basket, and you can miss by an inch and end up ob hundred feet to the left or something. I mean, that's that's traditional woods golf. We all know sometimes it's better to miss by by a lot, yeah. but I think overall the the course was really well received from not just the players but the public as well. I I didn't really see hardly any criticisms. I'm trying to think of all the criticisms. The only the only one that I heard really was, I forget what hole number it was, where they just lay up before the river or before 13. the stream. Thir- was it 13? It, it looked like a little pitch up, like a, two, like a 230, 250 foot downhill pitch, pitch that some people just didn't like the style. But I think I had no problem because you had to hit a landing zone. Yeah, I mean, and it's- then the landing zone from there. I mean, the, you don't, not every, not every landing zone has to be a 300 plus foot landing zone. Sometimes it's nice to be. And we saw the lead card struggle with that a little yeah, bit on the final day, yeah, the final day, because they were, they were some of them are way left or way right. And it having to then to just a pitch to the landing zone. I, I liked it quite a bit personally.
1: Yeah, that definitely grew on me. Uh, definitely <laughs> was uh, the committee approach to having the T that short. Like when we tested it, we'd had that particular T on 13, a little bit more up the hill. But the reason it goes against conventional thinking is because you have this wide open space all of a sudden, and you have like a downhill. You would think, okay, let's let everyone air it out. But at that distance for the FPO division, just from our research, um, you know, we figured like you know a lot of people are going to throw maybe forehand like a fairway driver, a driver, uh, like going through a driver, and a lot of the a lot of the ladies were throwing like a stable putter, a stable mid. But the tricky thing is it's not like a, it's pretty much not like a full rip. And you know that you can't score on that hole unless you put it in this one strip. And, you know, it's, it's interesting too, because you can get there any way you want to. And sometimes they're going to come up on those big trees that are kind of splitting the landing zone. And that's, that's unfortunate, but you can still, you can still get across the water from there. But the landing zone is like coming in with the forehand from the left kind of finishes in the line of that landing zone that you need to throw. And coming in with the backhand, your speed control has to be immaculate and you kind of want to bump off the top of that hill and just kind of slide down there into yeah. the perfect spot. <laughs> um, But it, it was really intriguing how it played as like an open hole with like With like a very much like a power control, um, shot to execute. And it was fascinating to see how that played out under the pressure during the tournament. I think that's one of those shots that just seems like a chip, um, when you're just practicing it. And then all of a sudden you get the, get those USDGC hole 17 nerves whenever it's <laughs> time to step up and it's easy to come up short right if you're throwing a forehand and it's, it's easy to just saw your backhand off way, way up the hill and all of a sudden you have a decision to make.
3: Yeah, and what I'll quickly add to that specific hole is I I love the mentality, though, that every player could get to the landing zone. And I feel like that's crucial because you're then forcing them essentially to throw over the water on the second shot. So it almost seems as if it would be unfair if it were too far back. And maybe these are some of the conversations you had to say, wait a minute, only the big arms can get to the landing zone and even have a chance to get over. I like that. You don't have to be necessarily a big arm to get to that landing zone and and you still had to you know there was still a premium put on the accuracy of landing there, so whether you have a big arm or not, you have to find the spot and then you and then you can go over and i yeah, I worry if you back it up too much, some people are like that's not fair. I have to throw two just to get to the landing zone uh to even think yeah. about going over but yeah that that was a a unique hole, I think. Some people would say it it likens to uh, the newer version of hole four that we see at Idlewild uh, in that you're kind of playing to that woods or that tree line, and then at some point you're throwing over. And I'm sure as maybe you're smiling, that can't be – I'm not the first to have made that uh, analogy or comparison, I assume.
1: Uh, It's funny because you are the first I've heard, but I definitely have thought that ever since I saw that hole last year. (laughs) Sure. At Idlewild. And okay. I've t- I told like a couple people about it, I think. And at that time, I didn't know the tee shot would be like as short, but the overall shape of the hole is very reminiscent. Um, and, you know, maybe from the long tee, I don't remember what the FPOT is for that one. Um, it, or maybe they played as a par five or something at Idlewild.
3: Yeah, I think they um, do. And I mean, they have a shorter tee than the MPO and right. no, I, they might play it as a Well, I could look, but I believe they played as a as a par four. Now I want to go look, but either way, uh, it's just it's kind of cool that again you're you're you know going into a woods line, you're looking for a landing zone, then you're throwing over water that you know I'd say the Idlewild water is maybe a little tougher to clear than than the uh, than what we see in Burlington. Either way, now real quick, I'm going to sidetrack. Because my producer almost threw me off considerably this weekend. <laughs> Throw a Mo into the bus. Yeah, I will. We were in Burlington, North Carolina a few weeks ago. We were in Burlington, Vermont, and technically, I think <laughs> Idlewild is in Burlington, Kentucky. Yeah, what are the say. odds? It, it's not like a. It's not like you know. Oh well, they're all on Main Street or something like that. Like a super popular name, but three of our stops this year in Burlingtons. That's. Uh, I, if we don't get Burlington Coat Factory as a sponsor next year, I'm going to call up Sean Jack and yell at him. I think that that seems like a no brainer. Quite a coincidence.
1: Yeah, um, it is. I, I, so it's a little bit of a stretch going Burlington, Vermont, because it is like an hour away. But I've definitely gone there in my mind. That's true. Burlington, Kentucky, for sure. But I definitely, I did think because it's it's kind of the closest big city. Uh, no, you, you
3: are 100% right. It it, it is actually yeah. a, it, it is yeah, you fly into Burlington and then you do have mm-hmm. a 45 to an hour drive. It's technically I think Jeffersonville or Smuggler's Notch. Yeah. So you you're absolutely right. I guess that is a stretch sure, at that point, sure, sure. but it's easy to still uh associate them. If you were to go out there tomorrow and I, again this is obviously wildly hypothetical and crazy, but if you were to go out there tomorrow and they said, "All right, adjust." I don't want to say fix adjust one hole shorter, longer to your pin, you know, take out one to 50 trees, whatever the case is. If they said, go out and make now your, your most significant adjustment to any one hole after this weekend's now been completed, what would that hole and that adjustment be?
1: If any, I would have to, I've, I've definitely learned better. This is a personal weakness of mine: how to work with a team through this. So I would have to <laughs> approach the committee first. Of just, course. Just okay.
3: That. All right. Yeah. Now there's a there's a, a CYA mm-hmm. if I've ever heard one. Okay.
1: I'm, com- <laughs> I'm confident. I'm confident in uh in my you know my conceptualization and um, ideation and all that if those are words. Um. But yeah. Um. I, I will say that I don't know that we would have a longer pad on hole 5 for the for the long layout which was originally the plan. Um that's the first thing that pops in my head oh, cuz over the weekend I learned that gap almost would become like not fair if you backed up and it's so it's so crucial to hit it in such a good distance away from the tee. Okay. Um but let's see something where Something yeah. You pretend actually- you
3: don't need the committee. Like if you personally, <laughs> whether you looked at stats, whether it was from watching golf, like where, where would you be like, Hey, yeah, let's, I I'd love to do this.
1: Maybe it's just a tree. Maybe it's 10 trees. I don't know. Um, Something we had already talked about Um, just even since then. And during the event is on hole six, Uh, the part five that I felt played pretty fair. Like I saw part five, like, Plenty of big numbers, but um, some eagles as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I think we had talked about. Um, we were just kind of seeing how that last row of like three little trees, like not little, but not you know not mature trees, like in the middle of the fairway approaching the pin. Mm-hmm. Like they played well for for a par five because technically you don't have to have a fair size gap if the if the idea is to get birdie. You're just landing sh- short of those or at those and then pitching up. Um, I think we talked about moving that basket more up to the right um, and mm. clearing out like all or like one or two of those trees, so that it feels more like a true distance of a par five. And so you could still pure like a forehand and have an eagle look. Okay. Um, you remember Haley when she eagled it on coverage? Yeah. She was she went thirty like, deep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she would be up close to I guess where we were talking about that. Um, but I guess potentially the biggest change is. Um, hole seven there's like a potential for like a backdoor fairway and there's like this one cool looking like leaning tree kind mm-hmm. of blocking anyone from actually like landing up there and and thinking about it and there was kind of some like tall weedy looking grass just that we didn't clear because it's not we wanted to see how it played with just the left fairway um, and actually Austin Hannum had a good uh, had a good input during around. I was I was catting for Page shoe and he was on Katrina's bag he said if if we cut that log entering that game a little bit wider so you could come in low if you were like within that 20 foot wide section instead of just like a little walking path through it that maybe then it's it would reward like in giving yourself a good placement to actually use that part of the the approach and then you wouldn't have to worry about hitting the log if you came in too low just for that like 20 foot wide section of it um I think that hole would probably undergo uh the biggest adjustment but even then like it wouldn't it wouldn't change very much.
3: Okay. Yeah, and uh real quick just to add on to that, I find this very interesting. Round 1, 7 played statistically as the most difficult hole on the course. Round 2, mm-hmm. it played as the third most difficult hole on the course. So got a little easier for them. Round 3, it played as the fourth most difficult hole on the course. Like they were figuring it out? And then round four, it played as the fifth most difficult. So the, the scoring came down on that all four rounds when it was all said and done, uh, it, which is just kind of an interesting thing to see after four rounds, after after any division kind of figuring out a hole or uh, you know being uh, introduced essentially to a new course. Uh, I just thought that was really interesting that it went from the 1st and then slowly fell to the 5th most difficult hole out on the course. So um yeah and and a very challenging 475 foot par 4 when it was all said and done. even when it played as its quote unquote easiest it was still 8% birdies and 4.39 was the average. And now I think you know another conversation that gets to be had at some point is and I forget how statmando defines it, but essentially taking your or tour cards, maybe that's how I think they define it, taking your tour card players which might be 20 or 25 or 30% of the women as opposed to the entire field of 90, clearly when you're talking about, you know, weekend warriors or people that aren't playing professionally, that aren't playing every single week that, you know, treat this almost more of a vacation than necessarily their mm-hmm. hardcore living and, and I mean, earning opportunity. Y- you look at two different sets of stats at that point, right? You look at touring pros and the best of the best or, or your upper echelon of top players. And then you can maybe look at it as an entire field. Those, those numbers ultimately look very different.
0: Yeah. I don't mind that mentality. I, I feel like maybe a, a, a rating, Cap or something along those lines. Like if you want to look at FPO, say women above 950 or something along those lines or 940, pick one. Or if you're talking about MPO, maybe men above 1010 or something along. Uh, Because touring card players, not everybody can be a touring pro. Correct. There are local players who, you know, who, who aren't touring pros, who don't have touring cards, but they are, you know up in that area of uh, like, I don't know if Kale, t- maybe Kale does have his tour card this year. Someone like Kale would come to mind if if he didn't have his tour card. Sure. You know, I would still want to include his stats, but I get that. Got to draw a line somewhere. So
3: uh, is there anything else you can expand on when you, you just mentioned Sarah Holcomb and that you stole one of my questions, which was, you know, did anyone else look at it? And you said that Sarah Holcomb was there what do you feel like was most her what input of hers was most either received or crucial or insightful uh maybe was it was it landing zones was it particular trees shapes was there anything in particular that you really gained by having her there
1: um i don't remember all the exact adjustments that we made i do remember that whole 5 uh in particular I was kind of pushing for it to be about where it is now, but like it we had tried it shorter, mm-hmm. just as like um because it is a little downhill, you can tell, which by the way, um you and Val did an amazing job with the commentary, considering you had never been there obviously and you were so <laughs> far away. Like well, I was you. curious about that. But yeah, I've never I've never been so inundated with this golf coverage like an entire <laughs> week of my life. Wanting to hear everything that was said or like Every, see every shot I possibly could thrown. And like I was telling somebody, I didn't listen to music or anything like else that I would normally do all week. It was just like, all right, I got like four hours of coverage to see what they said about <laughs> all the throws today. Um, but yeah, anyway, like, well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, back. What was your original uh, just about question?
3: Sarah and you? You were talking about hole five. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe where that tee was, or maybe where the basket was. It was very close to the water. Yeah. Um, you know, but I do love mm-hmm. the touchy little kind of turnover shot. Uh, you know, I, I just I personally really like that hole uh, from a technicality standpoint.
1: Yeah, yeah, tracking with you again. Um, so yeah, it was shorter, and we were just we were just testing out to see how how tough it would be with the same gap but just like an even shorter throw so it was almost like a half throw mm-hmm. and then like you were seeing people fluff it and not even hit the gap because they were worried so much about throwing it too fast mm. and then and then Sa- i think sarah kind of liked that but she also thought it would still play a little bit more challenging and still like people are able to throw slow discs because we didn't want we didn't want the fpo having to go fairway driver because we moved it so far back that a lot of them couldn't throw putters or mids sure uh, but she did support the idea of moving it back some and she was throwing like mids and achieving the distance and, you know, hitting the gap, missing the gap, feeling like it was a good challenge. Um, and I will say Sarah is a very fair critic. She doesn't just say, why don't these all go left or right? Uh-huh. Um, <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Can we get more of them just to curve a little bit to the right? Just, yeah. to, just a hey,
1: hair. <laughs> if you know me too, like if, if people had found out that I was designing a course like mostly or even partially, I would probably be worried about that. Um, yeah, if you know my play style too so um yeah that was the biggest one I at the top of my head um really okay. hole one's distance to where you could achieve that downhill look into the woods was was key um on her dis her input about how appropriate the distance was to be able to get the back side of that hill um was big any any kind of like open holes which there aren't too many open t-pads especially but like any kind of shots that require distance like where was the advantage and what was fair for like you know the really really solid players who throw maybe average distance um and that those are more crucial and just like what what can we expect the FPO field to uh to do with regard to like you know Heiser flipping a slow disc and when is it inappropriate to expect them to be able to do that like in the woods at certain distances sure. um I guess like henna is a really good example of someone who the course catered to in the woods she she, she throws hyzer flips better mm-hmm. than like most of the field. And she throws standstills incredibly well, which is helpful on elevation. Cause mm-hmm. those woods have a lot of up and down. Uh and if you can throw elevated um or if you can throw standstills uh from any type of elevation with usually under a two hundred foot approach, just the way it ends up being on most of those holes, super helpful. And I think that played to her advantage. Um, and then maybe something that played more to, let's say Kristen's advantage is a lot of the, the baskets is I didn't even realize this until the event. Like there are quite a few baskets on that course where there's circle two stats. If you're relying on a good circle two, like weekend or impressive showing it's, it's almost irresponsible to run a lot of those putts from circle <laughs> two. Yeah. Um, just one thing that let's gave Kristen an advantage is, is she's so good at like just outside the circle, like uphill putts,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: he really took advantage of those elevation putts, really uphill and downhill, which I guess kind of a straddle stance does assist with. Um, and then Owen, Owen took advantage of the course in that the accuracy, um, even though she's throwing drivers, like, I don't know what does she has. She throws drivers for, like, everything, but she hits gaps, and she yep. hits putts. So, it just, we we see, like, three different, like, strengths there that were rewarded um just from the course but maybe in different areas of the course um and that's something we were really leaning on Sarah for with was just the the appropriate distances for what discs we were kind of thinking were going to be the play on certain shots and whether that was appropriate to expect or not or if we needed to even move back sometimes uh maybe to well, be fair, I
0: don't know how you would design a course for Own Scoggins. Like, yeah, what you, if I? If, yeah, like, you, do you do you, you? You think of different courses that fit specific women, and I think like I don't know what fits Own. Just the way she doesn't fit her or what yeah. doesn't fit her because she flexes every shot. And there are so many of her shots that you look, that look like she's going to burn them over into the ground. And then it looks like they start to hyzer mm-hmm. and rise and then flex out. And you're like, how do you do that? I don't understand. I don't know the, I don't know the perfect own course other than just all circle two pots.
3: <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to think that the only place where own would struggle mightily or possibly, I should say, distance is yeah really long, yeah. and they they just are constantly going hard right the entire way because she of course can mm. flex and then mm. find fairway, but if just something just you know going right the entire way because she never throws you know big st- a, a spike a, a spike forehand yeah. should, it's right.
0: always a flex forehand
3: yeah anyway it's uh it's pretty it's pretty incredible to see well yeah it sounds you like you hit the
1: mark. Logical. Go ahead. Yeah, you want to know Owen Scoggin's hole. I'm pretty sure she was three under on hole eighteen. Mm. Uh th- I'm, 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 like nah, just, she, I'm,
0: she she birdied I, I, hole four. Or, sorry, round four. She parred round three. She might have been two under that. She birdied round two. I don't think she got it round one. She she?
3: birdied round one. She did three. She destroyed it more than anyone then. Yeah, that is
1: that is impressive. Like that's because if you think about just just from your your style, I'm like, that's her backhand up the gap like long enough to bend around the corner. I didn't really think I think the technical shot there is like a is more of like a stand up as it goes right forehand. So you don't have to rely on the skip. Cause the ground sure. there is not the best, it. Yep. but she only has to get to circle's edge, which is the philosophy there. And she can make the putt. If you just know you have to get to circle's edge on that hole, it's not as intimidating off the tee anymore. Cause you don't feel like you have to bend the corner as much. And then you don't have to try to do something ridiculous to get all the way up to the pin. Cause I've never seen anyone really parked. I don't think after sure. two shots, like in anyone who's played it and you know, that that was, that was perfectly owned to a tee. Like, mm-hmm that's her backhand comfort and that's her forehand giving her a chance to make a putt which she apparently did that three times yeah <laughs> so i
3: mean and if you if you really want to be almost a jerk you could think about how she played it in three rounds was only one worse than what henna did in one round she i'm just saying she played it in nine strokes uh three of the rounds and henna taking an eight there if you're comparing you know a scoring spread I, I mean, honestly, like, just think how much that one hole plays into it. Now, of course, you could say that about Hannah and you know everyone in the division. How many she gave up there? But yeah, you think about own playing it in in what nine fourteen thirteen on the weekend, and uh, and then <laughs> compared to literally everyone else, yeah, own,
0: own hit three circle two putts, one for every birdie. She wasn't in the circle for birdie uh, okay. uh, on any of the ones that she got the birdie on. She on her par she. Dropped in a five footer, so who yeah, knows so. exactly. But she didn't have a circle two putt, so I, I don't recall exactly around three what she did. Incredible, there, but she is incredible. So <laughs> yeah, that's true.
3: <laughs> now, yeah, so then uh, a question that just came off the board, which would be: Could now, now again, hindsight's
0: twenty twenty to some degree. But was the question from Heath? was it from uh, yeah uh, yeah one from, your,
3: do you have like 38 family members uh, out there or do was you it have from Glo-
0: was it from Gloria was it from Dur- uh Dirk Dirk avoda was it from I uh, I'm not sure which I'm not sure which brown it was from yeah got- doc Brown or yeah uh, so looking back um
3: assuming that uh, we're gonna just assume time and everything else isn't as much of an issue like daylight things of that nature could you see? Or might we see in the future, uh, if we looked ahead, could an FP-40 or an FP-50 or an FA-1, any? could you see any other divisions it being still appropriate, potentially, that course, that layout, appropriate for some of the other divisions? Or, or do you like that it was exclusive to FPO? Do you think that should kind of be the way?
1: Um, FP 40 did play it because I walked Jen Allen's practice round with her, her first it did? One, okay. Yeah, did well, then there's some the,
3: confusion among all of us because, uh, they played it all four rounds or one round?
1: Yeah. it was FPO and FP 40.
0: Okay. Then I stand
3: corrected you said earlier. The course
0: schedule didn't have that, but the PDGA did have that on there. Okay. So, so
3: there, there's our answer for who M- Mark Hill and others and everyone else. Okay. That, uh, thank you. I did not realize that even though the p d j does say it, but I yeah, thought it
1: was a miss. Okay. Back to your question. Um, not, not in the immediate future because obviously our priority is to try to continue to draw bigger events and hopefully per, for both divisions, uh, for MPO as well. So we do need to complete the, the long teas. And just from initial talks we had with, the uh, um, with Brian Baker, with the parks and, uh, his position now is, um, Jason Witherspoon, I believe. Uh, and just a shout out to the entire Cedar Rock Park staff, like super helpful and, and a lot of work that we wouldn't have been able to get done uh, by the time this event uh, happened just because the parks really got on board and did a lot of the heavy lifting. Uh, a lot of those those blocks with for the tee pads, which everyone seemed to love. Like Chuck Connolly was, he was like seven by 14. We're going seven by 14. we we're, we're No one's going to mm-hmm. complain these tee pads are too small. <laughs> like, but the parks was so instrumental getting all that stuff out there. Uh, we had a, we had a guy, uh, Danny Riggleman in the club. He was a spotter on 17 for most of the event, like so much know-how, uh, with putting those pads, T pads together and just like any kind of construction we ever need to do like those logs in the ground, like walking between holes. And I guess you guys wouldn't have seen them, but, uh, just kind of driving spikes through some logs to create, um, steps, like along trails, uh, super, super helpful um to have him in there but just um i i think it could be in the cards to have shorter tee pads there but it's just not really why we put that course in uh sure. because those two other i i mean i did not i didn't grow up playing the other two courses but they're so fun and they do cater to beginner and like intermediate level and advanced level a lot better mm-hmm. um than the regulator does and if if you did that on the regulator like the walks are already Kind of long on some holes, relatively. Like they're not bad because they're in the woods and it's like a nature walk in between. Sure. Um, but those walks would get super long if you started uh, putting shorter tees in on a lot of those Mm -hmm. holes. And it's it's the the goal, like from the city and from the club and everyone else, is just for that to be a championship level course. With with knowing that just across the park road you have Cedar Rock Park and Wellspring. Like Mm -hmm. if you if you If you go on Google Maps or whatever and look at the park, um, it's literally across the road that runs through the middle of the park. It is just like regulators on one side, and then it's like Cedar Rock Wellspring. Like you can go play any of them, and you can have a great time, like no matter your skill level. Um, so (laughs) it's it's a possibility. I would say it's kind of like I like to think like Maple Hill has all those different layouts and all those different tees. There's a possibility for something like that uh, in the future, I would say. It's just not in the short-term goals.
0: And it doesn't – obviously, it doesn't have to be. As we've said, not every course needs to be championship caliber, and not every course needs to be beginner-friendly. It's if it, it, yeah. it's ideal if you have something close by, if you're a city that's lucky enough to have multiple courses, that you have a variety like that, or if you happen to have um, a course that can support – so many T pads and pin placements we have here in Milwaukee, we've got Dretzka park, which can be set up where you can shoot 16 under, or you'll shoot a couple over depending on where the, where the pads and the baskets are placed. And if if you can make that happen, great. But if you already have two beginner friendly courses, fun across the street, then, you know, such a low priority to make that, you know,
3: yeah, and I, and I I think specifically, uh, and I appreciate everything you just said. That makes perfect sense. And I agree with it. I I was thinking, should in you know an FP forty or an FP fifty be playing it uh, as is uh, in terms of those? And and here is the context that I'll also then throw out and make the clarif- clarification of Jennifer Allen shot a fourteen over. She won by eleven strokes, and if we just straight up compared her fourteen over that ties for last cash in FPO. Um there's different feelings and vibes when you're playing in the divisions, all that other stuff. But if and you're this just, is a- just looking at it on paper that Jen Allen, you know, because some naturally some want to say, you know, look compare them. Jen shoots the the last cash cash position. So when you're looking at uh FP forty or FP fifty playing it you know, look at Das, who played obviously other courses. You know, wins by shooting twenty nine under. Yeah, uh, and
0: you know, and briefed. stereotypical. This isn't exactly a Jen Allen course. But sure, but not just, not what she pr- would probably uh, thrive on with her skill set. Sure, but, but it, re- regardless, her
3: fourteen over when you compare it straight up to FPO you're looking at uh bottom cash mm-hmm. and then Stephanie Vincent who finished second was at uh you know twenty five over and as
0: someone said on the board own would have crushed FP40 had she played it <laughs> yes she, she took she took home more money taking second in FPO Jen Allen would have taken bottom cash takes home way more money in f p40 great business decisions by everybody yeah no <laughs> nobody I, nobody should I'll never second guess any if
3: if any Age protected person plays within their age protection. I'll never second guess them or or yeah, I mean it might be more beneficial for them to play in other places, but that's not for me to second guess and tell somebody where they should play, uh if they want to play in an age protected field. So Lance, uh what what's what's your next big project? I mean, now you're this you're, uh, you know, one of the designers here. Uh, at, a, at a, a major. major. Are, are they bringing in you to the IDGC and, and you know, let you redo all of that now that we hear these Beatles are are taking over the W.R. Jackson course?
1: I hear that they have a pretty decent course designer that uh likes to do some designs out there. So Okay, okay. You know. Yeah,
3: one of the greatest of all time, mm-hmm. the, the Hauk. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Just push him <laughs> I, aside, I mean, Lance. You see I what know. I just did? <laughs> <laughs> and anyway, yeah. uh, i i i may or may not have like a an opportunity coming up with a neighboring county uh they okay. kind of arose because of, because of this um and i'm just gonna say there was a lot of the uh there was a lot of love and sacrifice put into the this this because it's my home like i've grown up like five minutes down the road um and used to come out to the park uh just with my dad and my mom to just walk the trails because what's so awesome about the park is like you know there's a volleyball court there's a basketball court which are basically like the warm-up areas and then there's like <laughs> a couple other there's there's foot golf um there's a few things like that but other than that there's three disc golf courses and they're just like there's like dozens of miles of trails and there's a yeah. an equestrian Uh, like there's, there's horses everywhere and there's, uh, that historical, historical Garrett farm, which is such a cool backdrop for some of those holes. Um, it's, you know, it's not like many, not like too many like public parks I can think of. Um, but just, it's such a special place and it's such a special place to just drive into, just spend time, like have a church picnic or a cookout or just go fishing. And, um, uh, one of the ponds there that's by the wellspring course, um, You know, it's it's a really good park. Just go out of not too far out of town, but just, you know, kind of feel like you're just out in nature and, you know, take a walk or whatever, whatever you want to do. It's just it's a really cool place. And it was just an honor to be able to work there for me like over the years and just uh, build trust with Chuck and uh, with Jacob, who's the president of the Burlington Area Disc Golf Club and just all the people there uh, especially as someone who's not always around because I'm traveling so much um it, it was really it was really um an honor just to get to put put in a lot of hours out there and just i mean I a b bi- a big weakness in disc golf can be overthinking everything but it's a really good thing with course design a really good thing with walking a property and really trying to find the best the best way to fit the puzzle together um and it can you can look at it as frustrating and never ending or you can look at it like once you get it right, like that feeling of just seeing everything come together, um, it's just, and then seeing people enjoy it is just amazing. Um, it's, I mean, it was like, it was a very full week that kind of like hit me yesterday. Like after everybody was like headed out of town and after I just wasn't, there was no more disc golf to watch and like no one to caddy for like (laughs) it, it just, it hit me like, man, that was a, that was a busy, tiring week. Um, but, you know, it, it was amazing. It was it was worth it. It's a, it's a special place. And I definitely welcome more opportunities and, um, you know, learn from several things that happened with the course that I can do better, that we can do better as a as a team. And that's going to help us moving forward with this course and any other any other projects that we work on around the area to just kind of build the the culture of this event uh, or not, you know, this course and any events that we have in the future.
0: Well, we maybe have the perfect person on now. You said you're coming back from practicing at Winthrop, right? Right now? Mm-hmm. What about the uh, Winthrop yeah. changes? Like, What are, what are we going to see next week? Next week, we've got the USDGC and throw Pink. I've heard that there's for sure a change on 18. They they, they, they pushed it out into the middle of the lake or something. I, I don't exactly know what's going on. Can, can you tell us? Do you have any breakdown for... Do us the exclusive. Uh, on, on any course changes at... Winthrop university.
1: Uh, that's funny. I practiced with Grady shoe. Um, and I, I haven't looked, he sent me the caddy book, but from everything I've heard, a lot of the changes that I heard about that were happening, didn't, didn't happen this year. Mm. Um, I I heard things like different holes being the starting and finishing holes Mm. not happening. Yeah. There were, Um, yeah, there were
0: rumors that they were going to start and finish like hole five was going to be like the finishing hole. Um, and that still might happen because of the the huge uh, spectator area right on the other side of the the path that they wanted that to be kind of the they were talking about maybe making that the finishing area a really cool water carry to to, to kind of finalize the event and be able to have more people there on the new hole eighteen. But I also yeah. heard just like you that that wasn't happening this year and and darkness not is not as dark. much of a problem.
1: i could see the uh i could see the i could see the concept and like you know taking away like 17 and 18 as 17 and 18 it would be more like an amen corner as obviously Mm -hmm. as opposed Mm -hmm. to the last because you know that would be what like 11 12 13 something like that so Mm um that that would be i can see why they would do that but I went down there because I'm playing Seth Burton Memorial in West Virginia this weekend just because there's like, um, it makes sense for me to play that basically instead of like something like uh, Carolina Clash just because of the competition and everything. Mm-hmm. So this is my only day to practice before I try to qualify next Monday. Um, but there, I I didn't, you know, going there, I just realized it was just going to be kind of another practice round at Winthrop like I was used to. And other than just like some rule changes, uh, which I will not go into. Uh, it was <laughs> oh, much
0: I saw that way. look. I saw that look. That's the look uh, I get.
1: Okay. <laughs> pretty much the same, pretty much the, same uh, the same OB shapes and the rock lined OBs, um, which I think is a good touch out there yeah. uh, as recent years. I think last year had a lot of changes and I think most, mostly it's, it's what we saw last year. Okay. Um, from what I remember, so it was just kind of getting some more reps in on that that same thing. So nothing major. I no, would no, say.
0: Ma- no major like redesigns or changes. Yeah, because I had originally heard someone say they were going to take 18 and push it down and almost build something out the path into the water area, almost like an island or something. There was some crazy talk going on. So like 18 yeah. down, not you know where it normally is to finish, but even further in, and <laughs> I don't yeah. know, but. There were talks.
1: Yeah, there's opportunity. Like it's very cleared out behind the basket, like mm-hmm. um, out of bounds. Like I guess for more spectators, so that uh, that's interesting though, because literally all you could see from down there is once people come around the corner putting out. Yeah. Down there near the one. So, um, I but you know you want people to be able to surround and kind of see the final moment, yeah. which I think is why they moved that, uh, the Sexton pin up there when it was a par three. Like, when he yeah. laid up yep. three or four times to win. <laughs> like. Uh, <laughs> That that was with uh, with more spectators being able to see it in mind. Um, so I could see them going to across the lake in the future if that's if they really want everybody to be out there and surrounding it. Um, I, I could I could see it. That's why I wouldn't have been too surprised if they did that.
0: Yeah, I can see. I, I you're right. I think that that's going to happen in the next couple of years, depending on how big spectatorship gets. It just kind of makes logistics sense. It kind of traditionalist in me it hurts a little bit that 17 isn't 17. Like you're not finishing on that long walk. Mm-hmm. You're not finishing with the dread of the hay bales and 17 where, and that's more the middle of your round as opposed to losing it at the very, like at the very end of your round, it's crushing you. Now it can crush you with, you know, five holes to go <laughs> and you can really, you've got a lot more time to think about how you just blew your USEGC as opposed to one more hole.
1: Yeah. Um, back to, back to the, the regulator one more time though. I think it was cool that the, the women were able to play the one course four times. Um, yeah, not, me just too. Because of, not just because of the MVP like turnaround, which was unfortunate, but I think that the course proved to be in, enough of a challenge to like, especially over two or three practice days, like Madison and, uh, Erica were saying that they just wish they had a couple more practice rounds, which, you know, it was intended to be that difficult and that challenging. And, you know, if you're, if you're thinking of it like this, like if it's a par 69, like that's almost like playing what a handful or like 10 extra par threes. If you think about the two shots you have to throw on par fours and all those landing zones, you have to memorize. Um, But I I really, I really think we did a pretty good job, like giving them that feel of like, here's a super challenging course that you're going to need to learn. Um, And I'm just glad that we were able to just have them at that one course. And I thought the way that, you know probably Winthrop played when they first introduced that the scores were probably you know unrecognizable like (laughs) not just all the stroke and distance but just the uh the philosophy of all those landing zones and OB everywhere people had to learn how to play there Mm -hmm. and I thought it was cool how we did that just kind of with uh with technicality and a lot of woods like natural OB that you don't lose a stroke you just have to pitch out or you just roll away or whatever it is um I, I like that we were able to create that same challenge for them and that same feel of the four rounds on the same course, um, and that's what you know. That's what you appreciate about winter because you'd never really have it figured out, um, and it's just so much separation everywhere. But it's like all you have to do is land in those ropes and just hit <laughs> the fairway.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, just hit the fairway. Yeah. It's so easy when you just hit the fairway. Uh, we, yeah. Where did? Um, where did the name come from of the course? Cause the other two courses are, what are they, what are they called over there?
1: Uh, the same Wellspring, Wellspring is the tight wooded, um, where I got my first ace, like probably 11, 12 years ago. Subtle flat, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like Tomahawk that doesn't exist anymore because there have been trees that have grown up in that time. Um, and then like the other one's called Cedar rock because it was the okay. first course there. Um, yep. I'm gonna. I think Chuck Rhodes, man, I really should have had that on hand. Chuck Rhodes, I believe is one of the designers. Um, Okay. And I don't have the other one off the top of my head. I'm probably going to get in trouble for that, but it was uh, in the eighties. It was in the eighties. Yeah. 84. I think
3: I saw, because I think Johnny and I played there. I think we made a stop there when we played the big Valley challenge in Durham, Um, uh, North Carolina. So this was like 1999. And when we were in the general area, and we were playing every course we could, literally checking them off on a paper spiral-bound uh, course directory, I'm almost positive we stopped and played those courses, those two courses, because I feel like we were like, "Oh, bang for your buck, we could potentially get two in, two in one." Park. I feel like we did, um, and my, I you know have to check the record books, but anyway. Um, so this third course comes about, uh, a, looking for the name, uh, as to how you guys arrived on it. And then I guess the follow-up to that also is on is there a potential for a fourth course or is the, is that park then finally out of room?
1: Um, the, f- the, uh, the fourth member of our committee, Brian Baker, um, like I was saying, he was kind of the part, the city, uh, he was with the city and he fi- he played recreationally and he finally kind of saw the, you know, you saw the, the culture going more towards a family-oriented uh, sport that everyone could mm-hmm. enjoy and come out to the park and do together more so than just like – more so than just like, you know, those people who play disc golf or whatever. Like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it, you know, it just – it did, the culture was like – I felt like shifting over the last five, six, seven years, uh, maybe even more than that. Like, just I'll say it's it felt different going out there for a practice round for me uh, in 2011 uh, than it does now. Sure. Um. You know, take that how you will. But I think that helps with the uh with the city wanting to get behind and support something and seeing just the professionalism like potential and that the, something that, OK, we don't have a championship caliber course here now, but we've been using this land. But we need to commit to it and have it to be established if we want to really be taken seriously. And he, he saw that and he, he saw the fun in the game. And was willing to like help us make a pitch to the city, uh, not only for U.S. Women's but just for that course. Um, and he was instrumental in like kind of whole sevens green, like up on those up on those rocks, mm-hmm. um, like that. We call that we call that the the Brian Baker green, um, just because I I don't think any of us had seen that um, before. But he came up with the name regulator after we had a lot of discussion with, uh, and just weird ideas involving foxes because as you saw, that's the mascot, which I got yep. really good. Brian Baker is, uh, wh- whenever you guys showed the Fox mascot, he's one of the, him and Jason Witherspoon are actually on the left. If you go back and okay. watch that, um, okay. When Fox mascot turns around, then we had like three other local guys over to the right talking. It was, I got a screenshot. It was fantastic. <laughs> um, but just something involving like a, a Fox and like a farm. And like, there was a, uh, you you have the Garrett Historical Farm which was more from the Civil War era but okay. we definitely wanted to go all the way back to, if anything, the Revolutionary War era. Uh, something like older just like, you know, local history but let's, you know, keep it like agreeable and all, you know of, of yeah. course like just appropriate and the regulator I just thought it sounded like a cool name the first time I heard it and then I kind of looked it up and so whenever the like during the revolutionary war period like the the loyalists uh who are the the british kind of occupants in the area like in north carolina were uh like hiking up taxes and stuff like that and uh the regulators were people from western north carolina i believe and kind of uh this area maybe like down towards charlotte who were really just not about the taxes being so ridiculous and the, them taking advantage of uh you know, the colonists. And Mm -hmm. so they wanted to regulate the taxes and regulate these restrictions and kind of the way they were just sticking it to them. So they had a, they actually met at the, the Alamance battleground, which is a few miles from Cedar rock park and ended up being kind of like just a skirmish. Like there wasn't, wasn't like too many, you know, too many casualties or anything. It's just kind of where they met together and it was like only a few miles from the park. And, uh, that was kind of the stand of the regulators versus the, the loyalists. Um, and so the regulator just sounded like a cool name and the regulators as a historical like movement was right around the area. Um, so that was, I was, I was all in once I read up on it. I was like, that's, you know, I, I always love when, uh, when sports teams have like a geographically or culturally appropriate name from like where they are in the country or, you know, like in the, in the world or whatever. Sure. Um, and it was really cool to be able to tie that into the course. Um, and it's, it's interesting cause I actually interned a few years ago, uh, with the guy who did our signage, uh, in the graphics. And he said that the colors on the signs, it was like a, a gold, kind of a dark red and a, a Navy blue were actually the colors of the loyalist uniforms. So I didn't know this before, but like, you are the regulator trying to play through like basically every course asset is colored like the loyalist uniforms you're trying to defeat the course and if you defeat the course you're the regulator okay so it's kind of backwards from what you would think so it's like you can take it how whichever way you want it. it's more fun to say like you got regulated or whatever yeah. like <laughs> but you, can see that you did regulate if you you know shoot the course record or if you even shoot under par maybe um and that that's kind of a fun way to think about it. It's kind of like a theme park ride or something. It's like I came yeah. out and I conquered. So, <laughs> I in the, in the- I when
3: someone had just initially asked me and I was uncertain, I had said I was under the impression, not knowing much about the course design and certainly not tying it to any kind of history because I ain't that smart. I was thinking like from a design perspective that it's it's control distance it's precision over power you know like putting like having a regulator like you can't just blast it wherever you want as hard as you want and that that was where my mind initially went to hearing about the course seeing the course and then how maybe it's applied well much Uh, like
0: the art of the course it's really up to your interpretation yeah okay well uh (laughs) uh
3: (coughs) okay well then that makes sense i a fox is one thing. We A got ca- enough. Fun. A cameo by Warren G would have been better for some of us uh nate Dog. Or Nate Dog, you know, uh, yeah, but by Warren G might have might have hit home with some more of us from the nineties. But uh nonetheless it was uh it was cool to see.
1: Yeah, I, I knew there was gonna be some of those references and I definitely heard you <laughs> make it each one. <laughs>
3: I mean, I, I have to, I have to, I'm, a, I'm of a
0: certain age. Like it's literally obligatory.
3: Yeah. I, yeah. Cause I, at that point I'm getting, uh, give, given a hard time. If I don't get some reference in there at any point, it, again, given my age, if I'm 20, you're like, who the heck is Warren G? What are you talking about? I have no idea. But being of the age that I am, that that's right in the wheel.
0: Yeah, anyone that doesn't hear regulators and then in their head just so think, Mount, mount up, up. Like, yeah. You, then, you obviously... You didn't live in the 90s. You didn't live. <laughs> so...
3: Well, Lance, we gotta say, uh, you know, on on behalf of obviously the entire disc golf community and and all the women that were there and all the sponsors, like just what you and your entire committee and crew had done is is incredible, and uh, we appreciate having. That landscape, that backdrop, that canvas, whatever you want to call it, for all of the competitors to be there and have that experience. I know Kristen's not complaining about it either, but uh, everyone, as we said, even if you didn't play well, it seemed as the, the overwhelming response was a positive one. And like you said, that's something that you can uh feel super proud of you, the committee, the entire crew, all the sponsors, the parks department. Like I feel like you guys, you know, put your head on your pillow at night and, and a little extra smile just thinking about the uh you know the accomplishment that it really was. So I, I want to extend that as well because like you said, rarely are we're at a point where rarely do we ever go to a course that I either haven't been to or haven't had any coverage of. And that was kind of the case for a lot of us. And uh, of course, we were nervous. We saw a few fly throughs and we talked to a few players, but seeing it uh, play out isn't always straightforward. And here I felt like we really got the lay of the land and that I think lends to good course design and you know, some of the tools and resources we had, but to be able to then uh, commentate on it. Now I look forward, I honestly, I want to get down there and play at some point uh because I think it'd be a really fun course to play. Yeah. And um now I look forward to if any other, you know, course or any other events get played there, uh I'm excited to be, you know, involved in any media capacity. It was it was awesome. So, thank you and uh and congrats to you and your team. We appreciate it.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm glad everyone enjoyed it. Uh we enjoyed uh the challenge uh you know, making that in less than two years and I would be remiss if I didn't say, uh, I believe Mike grassy and John Owens were two of the, two of the designers in the past for the, the land that was used and for like the 2013 Selinski layout, um, mm. which is on, which is on McFly so high, like YouTube channel, by the okay. way, if you want to go back and see yep. the, the, that course has evolved and like kind of long story short, we had to use only the one side of the main park road is why some of those signature holes, like hole one, uh, weren't able to be in this layout. And also, it's kind of nice because this current layout only goes next to the road. Like, the tee from one is like a couple hundred feet away from the road. And then out, like on holes 14 and 15, that, that fence is by the park road. But other than that, it feels very, like, secluded and kind of out in nature. Uh, but yeah, those those two guys were instrumental over the years of having some of the the – the greens and kind of the ideas for the fairways that we definitely use parts of, uh, in this course. And, uh, if you, if you go back and watch his old videos, it's kind of cool. You can kind of tell what they used to look like and Oh, whole eighteen's whole six, like, sure. and just a lot of the same areas, um, that really helped pave the way. Um, really the difference was just kind of using the woods more because of just having the the license to do that. Nice. Um, and yeah, it, just a lot of people, a lot of people before me, I don't even know, all the names of them just had so much passion and a lot of people have had a good time on that side of the property and just with the other two courses uh, over the last few decades. So it's, it's a blessing to be able to work with it here and now, like whenever kind of the world's getting to know about the park and about the course that anybody can go play any three of them now.
3: Sweet. Well, Lance, uh, we're going to let you go. We want to say thank you for the short notice and jumping on and and having a good signal. Everything else, that went really very smoothly for us. Uh, We wish you the best of luck at your event this weekend. Hopefully, I'll just throw it out there, in about eight days or so, eight or nine days, hopefully we're having a conversation because that means you qualified on Monday at the USDGC. I'll be rolling in a day or two later, and uh, hopefully you're one of our Monday qualifying stories that uh, i'll get to talk to come uh, maybe after round one or something like that um nonetheless yeah super super excited and and we wish you the best of luck and thank you again for joining us tonight we really appreciate all the insight and all the 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 behind the scenes as to what it took to pull it off and one final time i'll just say congrats to you and the entire crew the whole team yeah yeah
1: yeah thank you thank you guys for having me on it's been a there were a couple of opportunities in the past, but I'm finally, finally able to get on here. It was, it was cool. I'll <laughs> well, finally be able to connect with you guys, for sure. We
3: appreciate it. And, uh, again, nice work on everything. And uh, good luck. And we'll talk to you. Uh, I'll, t- I'll see you sometime next week out there.
1: All right. God bless you. Right. So have a good Thanks, night.
3: Thanks, Lance. Thank you. You too. Have a good night. Lance Brown, doing work. Now, him we're, and whole, now we're going to see our whole team, our live viewership, you know, cut, cut half, in, half the Brown is leaving. Yeah. Now. Cut in half. Oh They're, man. They were all here. Well, we appreciate all of them joining <laughs> in and, and truly what, what great insight to learn more about the course, the, the methodology, the logic, the background, uh, the, the research, and then to have it all play out as well as it did. Um, yeah, just love to see it. So thank you so much. He says, "Good interview, little bro. love you. Aaron's out on the board. Oh, so many of our regulars, so thank you guys for joining us. regulators, regulars, whatever <laughs> good to see you guys out here uh do we have anything of major
0: note for our regular show? I don't believe so. We talked about the dgbt news we talked there's there really was no pdga news because we're at u s w d g c I and do uh, go uh
3: yeah I'll I'll interrupt and go with one other sure. uh also exciting no and very well deserving uh, we saw that Sarah Nicholson not only celebrated her birthday last Happy week. Happy birthday, but Sarah! On that same night, I believe is when she received a Becky Zalek Award, a brand new oh. uh, Becky Zalek Award uh, for uh, be- basically being an outstanding ambassador and tournament director. And, and Sarah
0: is the tournament director for Throw Paint. She yes, she is the tournament director. Um, I know she has in the past. I didn't know if anything had changed. I didn't think so, but I. Yes, I kind of so. hedged my bets there a little bit.
3: And she's probably thinking about maybe dozing in or out of sleep right now. She says she falls asleep to us almost every Tuesday night. Wow. So well, yeah, even if nice. you're hearing it later, I uh, can't say enough uh, how well deserving and congratulations to you. Uh, I know there was I heard there was a recording uh, in this new initiative put together to have uh, a, a handful of women some of the pioneers of our sport together gathered together uh, I, i'll I'll call it like symposium like is is my understanding of it i believe it was recorded and if or when that gets released i'm really excited unfortunately i didn't i don't know much more about it beyond that but i am looking forward to it so if it's out there uh hopefully we'll be able to direct you guys to it as well to hear from some of again some of our um sports movers and shakers and early pioneers uh and the women's side of disc golf. So look for that.
0: Uh, The only information I'll give Mm. is we talked about Burlington, the city. Mm -hmm. I believe there are, according to Wikipedia, and Mm -hmm. I saw a different conflicting, there are 22 Burlington's in the United States. That's
3: it. Uh, There's one in Wisconsin, too, where I often, like, it's kind of technically like the city that's really close... Were we run? Um,
0: but I, I did see someone anyway. else say that there was there were more. But maybe those were unincorporated or something. Maybe mm-hmm. these are just official cities and towns. Um, and I believe I thought I I counted. It's about the the twenty sixth most common. Maybe maybe it's twenty third most common city name in the United States. Hmm. Did you see what number one was? Mm-hmm. I didn't. But take a guess. What's the number one most common name uh, for a city? Give me
3: a hint. Is, is there one that I would predominantly know from Wisconsin? Like it, it, no. Is the name Oh, it doesn't match up with Wisconsin. There there might be one in Wisconsin. There might be one in Wisconsin, but, it, but it's not prominent, yeah, it's not prominent. In Wisconsin. Most common city name. Uh I don't think Washington would be a common. There's I know of a, a few I know Washington, Illinois. Ja- ja- you would be
0: right if you guessed Washington. Really, I was going to yeah. say, or I would say Jackson. Walk- Jackson there are ninety-one be... Washington. Yeah. Okay. In the United States. Yeah. Well, and and, and there's as there, funny as I see Port Washington, Port, and we have a Port Washington. Washington, Wisconsin,
3: and then I yeah. see on this list a Port Washington,
0: Ohio. Yes, there. I did not count Port Washington. Okay. Yeah. But it is obviously, and their Washington. Wisconsin my, my, how, is an unincorporated community. Is Jackson up there? There's a, also a Jack. There's got to be, yeah. It, there, uh, the the, the top to ones, our... Washington's Franklin, Clinton, Arlington, Centerville. It's just funny, Centerville. Centerville, yeah. Centerville. Lebanon, yeah. Georgetown, which George Washington, I'm assuming sure. is where probably probably. Uh, Springfield. Springfield. I think Springfield's a solid guess. Springfield, there's 35. Uh, Chester, Fairview, Greenville, and then so on, and so on, and so on. So a little bit of trivia knowledge for you now, Terre bear Okay. Greenville,
3: Wisconsin, not far from where we... Where we grew up. Yes. Huh. Okay. All right. Well, I've got some after-show fodder, a few Great. Uh, minor things. Um, but I don't know if I have anything else in terms of, you know, kind of official disc golf-related news. The rest is, you know, hearsay and rumors yes, oh, r- and... BS and-, and- and uh, rants and everything else. So I think that's all after show stuff. And it's about after show time. It is. About so here after we go. Show time. Guys, we're going to call it. Uh, we appreciate the entire Brown family for showing up. Brown and <laughs> extended Brown family. Uh, and Lance. And Lance. Yeah, yeah, yeah him too. But uh, I mean, really, glory, we're all about the views and the clicks. We're glory so is my favorite. We're so clickbaity here. So uh, we're all about the views and clicks. So we do appreciate them chiming in and being along with us and obviously we think as highly of, of Lance as his entire family does um as well so yes uh, agree with everything mentioned there in the chat the good stuff anyway we're going to call it. This has been Smashbox TV's podcast 473. Congratulations to all the winners that we mentioned. We, we we glossed right over the fact that Kristen not only won, but also the Grand Slam. The Grand Slam. She's won the last five majors that she's entered. Uh, we could go on and on uh, for days about her accolades, but congratulations, of course, specifically to her, our champion. And uh, we'll have more after show conversation. We can take it from there. So, for Lance... I updated the the names here in the the credits. I sent out three more Patreon items today. Hopefully, we'll have a few more to send out uh, tomorrow. But I also already sent out three more that are going out today slash tomorrow. So... Yeah, thank you to all We're of our on Patreon the ball subscribers, almost. and thank you to Wes Warren, who jumped in earlier. With $20 the super, super Chat. chat. Thank yes, you, Wes. The Super Chat was getting, um, it had a few cobwebs on it. Was it was a little dusty, I'm not So I'm not we appreciate lie. you, uh, Wes, for jumping on and helping out with that. For Lance Brown, who gave us the incredible insights, for the entire crew, I'm just going to thank them yet again at the USWDGC the all of the sponsors supporters tournament director chuck conley the pdga uh, and all of the partners in that event you guys knocked it out of the park and i think the entire world knows and appreciates that for johnny v i'm the disc golf guy that's 473 stick around we'll have more silly stuff to talk about in the after show but we'll see you
0: then when you step inside the Smashbox. thank you to our two dollar and above patrons your name is listed below in the credits If you are interested in being listed as a producer in the Smashbox TV credits and supporting this and other fine podcasts, please visit patreon.com
2: slash smashbox tv.
1: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?